When I was seven or eight, I knew that something was wrong. I, I wasn't old enough to know what, but I was old enough to know that something wasn't right. Growing up during the era of flower power, the Vietnam War, drugs, free love, hippies, desegregation, hijackings, the Six-Day War, presidential assassinations, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family, it taught me a lot, but not enough. Mom cried, dad looked worried. There were lots of hushed conversations with my grandparents. Through it all, I just remember my mom telling me every night, everything is okay. Now, I knew it wasn't, but I didn't have any choice except to believe her. Same three words every night over and over. And so I would lay my head down after she would say those words and I would go to sleep. The red shag carpeting on my floor, the dark paneling on the walls, the Ravel models on the shelves, and my record player over and over again playing the monkey's daydream believer while I drifted off. C.S. Lewis wrote, if the whole universe had no meaning, we would never have found out that it had no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we would never know it was dark. Dark would have no meaning. Imagine looking, looking up at the sky because that's what you do because it's your job and seeing something so special that you drop everything, buy some expensive baby shower gifts, jump on your camel and travel months and maybe even months just to drop those gifts off spend a few minutes in worship before jumping back on your camel and going all the way back where you came from. And then when you got home, you heard that the king that you stopped and asked directions from, the one who, by the way, said, oh man, I love this baby too, so please come and tell me where he's at. But you didn't, you went home a different way. You heard that he killed every baby in the area, anywhere near where this child that you went to see was born. And now you have no idea for 30 years whether that baby was alive or not. Math suggests three magi, one for each gift. Folk tales say the magi's names were Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Theologians and some historians think that they came from Babylon because that's where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the Babylonian captivity. And remember, <laughs> Daniel became the chief of the magi. And so he probably talked a little bit about, you know, uh, the prophecy from Numbers 24:17 about this mystical star that would herald the promise of a Messiah. Oh, and then there's Isaiah 60, verse 3, and Psalm 68, verse 29, and Psalm 72, verse 10. That's in our scriptures today. that talk about foreign kings coming to the Messiah. Now, put all these together and you get, we three kings of Orient are. Even though they weren't kings, it's doubtful there were only three. Notice in the psalm today it said herds of camels. And that leaves the only accurate part of the song, the politically incorrect use of the word orient. Now before we spend hours or days trying to figure out how many there were and where they came from, when they arrived, when they left, whether it was a star, a supernova, a conjunction of planets, and whether they knew how prophetic and necessary the gifts, this very strange gifts that they brought were, that's not what the story is all about. See, if we spend all of our time on the Manini stuff, the baby Jesus gets tossed out with the wrapping paper. When Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the temple, Simeon grabbed the child and said, a light for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And there we have the purpose and the promise of our epiphany story, and it really is our epiphany story.
Isaiah was the loudest and most consistent voice, but the other prophets chimed in and reminded everyone the Messiah wasn't just going to come to save the Jewish people. That God would use this moment in time to gather anyone and everyone who had not lost faith back into his family. And so Epiphany is actually Christmas for those of us who aren't Jewish. The most important and powerful part of the story comes at the end, where Herod, who like Yertle the turtle, thinks he is ruler over all he can see. He discovers a child in diapers, nursed and rocked by his mom, as he flees to Egypt in the middle of the night, is far more powerful than he ever will be. And all his anger and destruction and death and hatred will not allow him to hold on to his make-believe kingdom. But the tiny child that he is so afraid of, his kingdom is going to last forever and ever. Sometimes we need to get down into the Greek and Hebrew syntax and the contextual variants, reach deep into the historical and cultural explanations. Cross-referenced verses become majorly important. Every jot and tittle examined to the extreme. And sometimes we need to back up, way back, and look at the verse from afar and let a star illuminate our path. In this epiphanal story, there are some things that God really does want us to know. Evil and darkness, it's out there and it's everywhere. Whether it's 4 BC or 2021, life on this earth is not easy. Whether it's an evil king trying to kill your baby or a plague trying to kill your whole family, that's what evil is. It's not always easy to tell the difference between the good guys and the bad guys. I mean, let's face it, if you'd been there, which side would you have taken? A bunch of strange foreigners who just happen to be astrologers who say they followed a star and found a baby and have brought him some really strange gifts? Or the king who says, you know, I love that baby. When you find him, come back and tell me because I really want to go and worship him too. I'm his biggest fan. And finally, if we live by faith, we will always have everything we need. A star to guide us to where we need to go. Strangers bearing gifts that allow us to take care of our family even when things are really bad. And an angel in a vision telling us to take a different route because the one that we thought we were gonna take is dangerous. The most important part of the story though, the most important part is that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, even if you aren't part of a church or your job is not normally accepted as kosher, that God will find you and give you something that you can't ignore so that he can lead you where you need to be to find what he wants to give you in the most amazing way. Pick any star you want in the sky. It's God's way of telling you as you lay your head on the pillow that in spite of the world being upside down, everything is really okay. I went to bed a couple of nights ago and tried to pray, but I wasn't sure what to pray for. You see, every time I started, the word seemed inadequate, nonsensical. There was so much I couldn't wrap my mind around, let alone find words to explain what I didn't understand. It was finally in the silence I found my voice. That's when I had an epiphany of sorts. I've always loved the message from Romans chapter 8 that says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And I love that verse, because it's true. As I chased sleep that night, these thoughts crept into my troubled mind. As bad as 2020 was and 2021 is starting out, 
None of the apocalyptic horrors I feared as the pandemic raged and protests and riots broke out in cities across the nation and the elections came and went and then came back. None of them were as bad as I let myself originally believe. The death toll, way too high. The effects incalculable. There is still too much unrest and racism and anger and mistrust in our country. The economy is a mess. Politics have gotten worse, which I didn't think was possible. But you know what? I went outside last night and there are still stars in the sky. 2,000 years ago, people were just as anxious and fearful as they are today. Go through the Gospels and count the number of times that somebody walked up and said to Jesus, is this the end of the world? In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus replies, nope, it's not even close. And then he adds, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light and the stars will fall from the sky. So last night, I did notice the stars were sh still shining. Oh, the moon was bright, even if it was only half a moon. And by the way, this morning, sun was still shining. Saw it just blazing right over the top of Diamond Head as I made my way to work. And none of the stars fell on me as I took my walk or as I drove to church. We are anxious, and we are an anxious and fearful people. And as we read the Bible and history books, it's pretty clear humanity, it's always been anxious and fearful. And most of the time, the things we were worried about, they never came to pass. And we were so worried and anxious and fearful that we didn't bother to notice the sun was still shining, the moon was still glowing, and the stars were still in the sky in all their glory, twinkling at us, ready to guide us on our journey through life. In his letter to the church at Philippi, St. Paul said, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, using St. Paul's hands, commanded me to pray. He told me to pray for my friends. He told me to pray for my enemies. He told me to pray for the government, for the church, for unbelievers, for children, for strangers, for my personal needs, for community needs, and even for protesters, whether they're in Portland, Oregon, or Washington, D.C. Now, prayer always has two parts. There's the praying, and then there's the living. The connector is faith. St. James says, if you pray in doubt, you aren't going to get anything. Jesus says, if you pray in his name, God will give you the desires of your heart. And St. Julie Andrews says, God never closes a door unless he opens a window. My epiphany came as I told God, I know I need to pray. I just don't know what to pray for and how to pray. And God told me to look out the window at the stars and remember that Jesus is not only the light of the world, but he's the light of my life. And I need to keep focused on that light. You see, all life is about grace. If we try to make it about anything else, it means that we're wandering around in the darkness. There's a reason Epiphany is about a star and a journey and God coming among his people to save them and showing the world that despite the darkness that's everywhere, that there is light and that that light is exactly what we need. You know, the darkness is and always has been about proving yourself to be better than others and maybe even better than God. Darkness comes from worrying about not getting what you deserve, not being as good as your neighbor, not having everything your neighbor has, wanting more than you have, and being angry and bitter and hateful at anyone who is keeping you from having what you think is rightfully yours. So much in this world is about trying harder, about getting more, about being more. And whenever this particular darkness sucks me in, I never feel free 
or better or complete. I just feel tired, bone tired, which is why there is a very good reason to be obsessed with grace. I'm absolutely amazed at how many times we turn grace into works and gospel into law. You know when the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? It is not work. It's grace. It is not something that God wants us to go out and make checklists about. You see, when you see a star in the sky and you know it's leading you where you need to be, the journey, no matter how difficult or dangerous, it's not work. It's grace. When this life is filled with evil kings and darkness and death, the stars are still in the sky and the light is still shining and grace is still abundant. I don't know if the Magi prayed for a sign or a savior or just a reason to take a road trip. I do know when they saw the star, they packed their camels and they went. I'm not even sure what the single most important part of their journey was. Making sure Mary and Joseph had the money they needed when they fled to Egypt. Letting the priest at the temple know that the Messiah had come going home by a different route, where they may have, by the way, stopped by and seen the world's largest ball of twine. Or maybe when they got home, they told everybody about Jesus, so that 35 years later, when the first disciples showed up, everybody already knew, and they were ready. See, I do know their journey had a purpose. And even if they don't know what it was, even if we don't know what it is, God does. Too often my prayers sound hollow and empty because what I'm asking for is totally beyond me. I look into the darkness and all I see is darkness. When I ask God to heal one of you, to end homelessness and poverty, to rescue children from abuse, to calm a nation in turmoil, I know that I do not have superpowers or an unlimited bank account. And so my words seem empty and useless. And therefore my prayers seem empty and useless. You know, there are all sorts of theories and arguments over when the Magi arrived and where they arrived. I want, to listen. I want you to listen to exactly what the Bible says. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. And there's an exclamation point there. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Now the priest told them to go to Bethlehem. But the Bible doesn't say that that's where they went. It says they saw and followed the star. The next verse says they entered the house. So we know Jesus wasn't in the stable anymore. But we don't know where the house was. They may have returned to Nazareth or maybe somewhere in between. Rather than spend all my time arguing over where and when, what I see is very plain. They didn't give up. When the star disappeared, when the priest just said, go to Bethlehem, they waited, and the star reappeared, and they followed the star, and it led them to exactly where God needed them to be, and where they needed to be. And they did what God called them to do, and then they went home. If any of you have any superpowers or an unlimited bank account, you've done a pretty good job of keeping it hidden. I do know that many of you have followed stars, and you found this past year where God needed you to be. You looked into the eyes of someone and you saw their pain. You heard someone say that they didn't know where to turn. You saw a child in another country that needed a hand up. You saw a sailor, a soldier, an airman who needed a chaplain. You knew a child who needed more than just the three R's. When you walk outside at night, there is an awful lot of darkness. But when you look at the sky, there are billions of stars. 
And each one is shining its light down on you so that you have hope. So that you know that there is a place that you need to be. You see, even on the nights when there are so many clouds that you can't see the stars, they are still there. Their light reaching down to you. When the night and the darkness is overwhelming, I want you to look up at the stars and hear God whisper, everything is okay. There are a lot of people out there who don't know what the light is because all they've ever known is darkness. This past year, you followed hundreds of stars and discovered, even though you didn't have superpowers or an unlimited bank account, that you could do some amazing things with what you had. You brought light into their darkness. You gave people hope. You made a difference. So keep following your stars. Find out where you need to be. Continue to make a difference. And with each journey, the light is going to grow just a little bit brighter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.